0: Our scripture passage for today comes from Matthew chapter 5, and I'll be reading verses 20 through 26. Jesus said, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison and truly I tell you you will never get out until you have paid the last penny This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The last four Sundays in our Bloom sermon series, we've explored what it looks like to seek God's presence and direction in our relationships. And we've explored the truth that relationships are often the ground in which God roots, grows, and prunes us. We've talked about family and friendship, about bringing our healthiest selves to our relationships so that we can truly love other people. And we've talked about relying on God's Spirit to guide and grow us in relationship. Today, we are talking about love in times of conflict. And I know that when you got out of bed this morning, you thought, You know, I really hope today's sermon is about conflict. Our scripture for today comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the most famous sermons ever preached. Billions of people have turned to Jesus' words in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 as a source of wisdom and direction, including some of the world's most influential leaders like Mahatma Gandhi, who is said to have read from the Sermon on the Mount every morning and every evening for over 40 years. Matthew wants us to hear the divine weight of Jesus' words, and so he has Jesus preach on top of a mountain instead of on the beach or a city sidewalk. When we hear that Jesus goes up To the mountain, on top of the mountain, to speak to his disciples and to the crowds. Matthew wants us to remember Moses going to the top of Mount Sinai to receive the law from God. This is a literary tool that Matthew uses to help us better understand Jesus' words when he says that he did not come to diminish or to do away. With the Mosaic Law, but to fulfill it. The instruction Jesus gives in today's passage is the first of six teachings in Matthew chapter 5, all of which are on relationship. Jesus wants us to understand that we cannot be in right relationship with God if we are not in right relationship with one another. In today's text, Jesus begins his series of relationship teachings by talking about conflict, our favorite subject. What Jesus is doing here is expanding the commandment given by Moses, one of the Ten Commandments Thou shalt not murder. The first murder recorded in the Bible is Cain killing his brother Abel in Genesis chapter 4. In the story, Cain brings his grain offering to the altar while he seethes with anger at his brother. God warns Cain that he needs to master his anger. But Cain's anger masters him and he kills his brother. In today's passage, Jesus is saying that we must do better than not murder. We must address the conditions under which murder occurs. Just because we do not murder does not mean we are experiencing God's kingdom or reaching God's standard of righteousness. So Jesus provides a strategy to help us do What God encouraged Cain to do, master our anger. The strategy, says Jesus, is to go and be reconciled. In verse 22 of today's passage, Jesus says that the practice of being reconciled is an alternative to the circumstances which lead to murder, bitterness, violent speech, and vengeance. Please note, Jesus nowhere commands us to not be angry. Nowhere. In fact, Jesus and God are both known in the Bible to get angry on occasion and to even make a scene. So Jesus is not saying that anger is the sin. The sin results when our anger is used to satisfy something other than God's purposes. Jesus teaches that our anger can be channeled for God's purposes through the practical action of going and being reconciled. The story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4 narrates the confounding reality of murder. Moses's law in Exodus to not murder is a way of addressing this human problem. And now Jesus in today's teaching brings this law a step further by suggesting that reconciliation is the only hope we have to be liberated from the vicious cycle of violence against one another. It takes about seven seconds of playing out in our heads what Jesus' version of reconciliation looks like to realize that this is much easier said than done. Go be reconciled feel like three very costly words. As human beings, we make all kinds of choices about our anger. We have all different ways of dealing with anger. We fly off the handle, raise our voices, lose our cool. We become defensive or domineering or cold. We seethe, ruminate, plot our vengeance. We ignore, dismiss, deny. One of my favorite television shows is Monk. You can see Monk here. And in one episode, Monk's friend tells him that he really needs to have a conversation that Monk knows will be risky and awkward. And Monk tells his friend, no, no, no. I find that doing nothing and never talking about it again is usually the best strategy. We often take this approach of doing nothing and never talking about it again with our anger in our relationships. Mostly because we don't want to hurt other people. And sometimes because we are afraid of how they might respond to our efforts at honest, vulnerable conversation. Reconciliation does require vulnerability, telling the truth, and forgiveness. Jesus tells us That God is in the business of reconciliation, including God channeling God's anger for the purpose of reconciliation. You might notice that this is different than the business of judgment and punishment. Jesus says that should we choose to get into the business of judgment and punishment and vengeance and grudge bearing, we will find ourselves being judged and punished harshly. Stuck in prison, Jesus says, unable to even work to pay off our debt. Punished not necessarily by God, but by the world's law of judgment and punishment, a vicious cycle that is part of our human problem. And you can hear that this is very different than God's law of grace and mercy. So, what Jesus is saying is that God's law and kingdom flourish and bloom when we practice reconciliation. This all feels like risky business. Jesus offers no guarantee in our passage today of how our efforts at reconciliation, our making the first move, as Jesus suggests in this passage, will be received. Being vulnerable, telling the truth, forgiving, and loving unconditionally do not mean that we will come out unharmed. But this is what God did for humanity in Christ, making the first move toward reconciliation in ways that were vulnerable, honest, merciful, And unconditionally loving. For these things, Jesus was crucified. Throughout history, even back to the times of ancient Rome and the time of Jesus, the use of something called a scorched earth military strategy has been used by military forces to destroy resources that may benefit the enemy. This includes destroying things like fuel, food, water, transportation, communications. In biblical times, this sometimes looked like forces poisoning water wells. An example of this can be seen here in this photo from 1943 during World War II when the Allies attempted to destroy what was called Hitler's gas station in Ploiesti, Romania. Ploiesti was where Nazi Germany got one-third of their oil. This ally mission was not successful, and it was very costly. In 2019, on a mission trip to Romania, Sandra Allen, who's a church member here, and I got to ride through Ploiesti and see these oil refineries that you can see here in the background of the picture. We live in a time when the more common approach to conflict resolution is sometimes like scorched earth strategy, strategic destruction, grudge holding, cutting off, demonizing, or simply choking out relationship by doing nothing and never talking about it again. Jesus teaches that this way of being in relationship is not only destructive to the people in our lives, not only destructive to us in our souls, it inhibits the kingdom from coming. It stops the flow of God's grace. I want you to hear today that reconciling with people in your life is worth it. Reconciliation can be costly, There are no guarantees, but reconciliation is one of the ways God works in you and me. And it's one of the ways God works to bring all of us into the time when we no longer use violent words or actions, no longer murder one another, when we are no longer eaten up inside by the cancer of bitterness and vengeance. I also want you to hear that reconciliation is not a responsibility you bear on your own. Reconciliation belongs to God and happens best when you partner with the Holy Spirit to guide your thoughts, feelings, actions, and words in God's timing. Over these last 29 days, my ministry here with you in this place has been coming to a close. I have experienced in these days equal parts grief and gratitude. In my daily prayers for you and even in planning to speak to you today, the only words I often find to express The way I feel are, of course, from Winnie the Pooh. How lucky I am having something that makes saying goodbye so hard. In praying for you and in meditating on Jesus' words in Matthew 5, I find myself coming back again and again to the question, what does it mean for 1st Baptist to hear and respond to Jesus' first words in our passage today. Jesus begins by saying, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. When Jesus says this to the crowds in Matthew and then launches into these six teachings on relationship. He is telling them that faith is about more than self-righteousness. Faith calls them beyond these human-made barriers to grace and mercy and love. Faith calls them deep into right relationship with each other. When I hear these words, and as I pray for you and for churches everywhere, I hear Jesus calling the church and pastors like me today to do better. If we want to see the kingdom, if we want to be a part of building God's kingdom, I hear Jesus saying that we need to do better than not murdering. We need to do better than not committing adultery and not swearing. And so I prayerfully wonder with and alongside you, how is Jesus calling First Baptist to do better? In the months and years ahead. A little more than 30 years ago in 1989, in the months leading up to the fall of the Berlin Wall in Germany, which was this towering visual and symbol of the division and animosity in post-World War II Europe, there was a group of East German Baptist churches who felt led to have prayer gatherings in which they came together to pray for freedom. Eventually, these churches discerned that they felt called together to become neutral spaces for peaceful assembly. They could see and hear and feel their communities increasingly filled with unrest and conflict under these oppressive circumstances. And so the churches saw a need to somehow assist in the work of reconciliation. Soon, their once empty church buildings were filled to the max with people who were hungry and desiring change. People who were willing to nonviolently resist what was happening in their community even though it meant harm for them. This church movement eventually blossomed into a gathering of over one million people the Saturday night before November 9th, 1989, when East German authorities declared that citizens could travel to West Germany. And we can see here that that night was the beginning of the end for the wall. There's a reason that billions of people have turned to the Sermon on the Mount for wisdom and guidance. People are hungry for spaces in which they can learn a different way to deal with anger. Spaces in which reconciliation is taught and practiced. I believe First Baptist in its deepest and truest identity is this kind of community. Brothers and sisters, we have seen what violence and bitterness and hatred and denial can do. My prayer for you, as you follow Christ's call into your bright future, is that you will see And that you will help your community to see what love can do. And my prayer for you is that as you continue to see what love can do, that it will be beyond what you have asked or imagined. In this, I have full confidence and trust. Please pray with me. God, today we feel you call us into deep and true relationship with one another. And we wonder together, Lord, how you are calling all of us into relationship that is more honest and vulnerable and forgiving. Relationship that involves unconditional love. God, in our everyday lives and in our Working lives and church life, we don't always know exactly how to do this. And so, God, thank you that you partner with us in the Spirit to show us the way of reconciliation. God, as we feel you nudge us beyond what we have asked and what we have imagined, we trust in you, Lord. And in you, we find the courage to take steps to build your kingdom here and now. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.